755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome, welcome everybody to 755 is real, the suspended spring training version. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic. This is still going strong without live sports, The Athletic, I hope. And this is my co-host, Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever and part of the famed O'Ventbrill trio with Johnny Venters and Craig Kimbrell. What's up, O? What's up, Dave? Uh, just laying low. Well, we got everybody's laying low. We got our <laughs> special special guest today. Speaking low from down under, way low. Our special guest today, another member of that Braves bullpen back in that era, Peter Moylan. What's mm. up, Pete? How you doing, man? I'm laying real low, guys. I'm just <laughs> over here uh, locking myself into a padded room at the moment. It's good. Are you in Canton or down under? I'm in straight Canton. This is this is uh, Canton. It's beautiful. We, at least we're nice and spread apart up here. It's, you know, <laughs> it's not like we're we're living on top of each other. A lot but, of yeah, social distancing. Crazy, crazy time to be alive right now. But oh, hey, it's God. fun. It's good times. Social distancing not a problem in Canton, huh? Absolutely not. No, we prefer <laughs> uh, to keep away from each other anyway. So it's good. Yeah. So do I. Yeah. You got you got like six tenths of a mile, not six feet between each other. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, how are you handling it? Oh, uh, sorry, well, sorry to take over your job. But yeah, it, you're in the it hit here in the like six it. weeks ago. So or five. Yeah. Weeks, I don't know. It was it was wild before everybody else. So it's been kind of crazy to see everybody else go through the reaction that that we already had. Like our grocery stores and all that happened two or three weeks ago. Crazy thing is, we found out it had already been in Seattle for like six weeks possibly when the first case popped up. So I don't know, man, we've just been trying to stay home and, and do the right thing, I guess, and then stay out of everything. But it's been, it's been pretty wild. We've been, we've you're, been staying home for three weeks already. You're like our yeah. Italy out in Washington yeah. state, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody always jokes we're up in another country anyway. Yeah. Well, I've been talking to uh, all my boys over in the Czech Republic and, you know, so they're kind of a week ahead of us. So I'm getting the gist of what's happening over there and then just just basically waiting for it to come over here. So um, they're, they're in total lockdown over there. Uh, yeah. Only one person can go to the grocery store. You have to wear a mask on public transport. You have to wear a mask when you go outside of your apartments. Um, yeah, so they're uh, – it's – but that – I think that the the big difference is that they live so close to each other because yeah. everybody sort of lives around around the downtown area in Europe. So yeah. they're all on top of each other as it is. I think that's what helped with the spread. But I'm no expert. I don't really know. But um, well, yeah, yeah, look but, how and look how bad it's getting in New York. You know, same thing. There's so much. Yeah, the the uh, people. There's so many more people per square mile. It's yeah. just it's impossible to have six feet between you and everybody in New York. Although yeah. the streets are pretty damn deserted right now. It's shocking to look at at uh like Times Square right now. It's yeah. just weird, surreal, like a movie. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I got down to downtown Seattle in twelve minutes the other day. It normally takes about forty five. No way. Yeah, there's there's no traffic, there's parking spots everywhere. I mean it's it's really it's like that I am legend movie around here. Yeah. What did you, you would uh, be shocked, oh, to see the two eighty five right now? Yeah, you, I, I know you don't believe that it's actually. I don't. Traffic is flowing. <laughs> it is. That's crazy too. When two eighty five is pretty empty, then yeah, yeah, it's post apocalyptic when two eighty five is empty. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. 
Uh, excellent. So, what about your boy? What about your mates down under, though, Pete? They're famously uh, kind of cavalier about this kind of stuff. Yeah, they being affected. They can't. They can't obviously travel down all the way down there. We're too close to the Antarctic. I think we're just uh, we're just going to we're just going to freeze it up before it gets there. They're going to try and drink their problems away down there. I think. <laughs> I bet they. God are. bless them. God bless them. Yeah, they're 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 did, invincible. Did you have to? Did you have to close your cafe? That's in uh, what, Melbourne? Where that's is a great that? question. It's in Melbourne. So what we're doing right now is um, we are serving takeaway food only and takeaway coffees. Yeah. Um, we don't do any in-restaurant meals. Um, we don't even do – You know, there's a big push for bring your own coffee cups now uh, in Australia. Yeah. We can't even do that. We can't even refill other people's coffee cups. So everything's takeaway and uh, you know, it's, it sucks. Um, I don't think we're going to last through it honestly. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. I'm sure there's a lot more people out there that are, that are way worse off than, than me and my best mate running a cafe are, but you know, to hear him talk about it, um, even, even a couple of days ago, and it's not as serious in Australia as it is here right now. So it's only going to get worse. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, if you're in retail or if you're in hospitality, if you're in entertainment or whatever, it's, uh, it's going to be a long couple of months. I feel bad for musicians, man. I mean, they make all their money touring and merchandise these days, and all the shows have been canceled. Uh, yeah, but, new, I mean, new, yeah, and, and waitresses and, and yeah. waiters and, oh, and God, you know, man. relying yeah. on tips that of places that aren't even open right now. So, you know, I read somewhere the other day that they're trying to push for, for if you can afford it, to go and buy some some food vouchers or some some maybe some gift vouchers from your favorite restaurants or you know pre-order food for a couple of months right. from now whatever you can do to try and inject some cash into these places because it's uh it's gonna it, it could be a while i don't know i mean i don't know who knows but new york is uh doing the same thing your your cafe is having to do uh, they're shut down for uh, yeah. everything but but takeaway and uh, delivery golly that's nuts in new york in new york man yeah um you, you knew you knew i mean I, I I thought it was serious a couple of weeks ago, but not as serious as it is right now. Obviously. Me too. But the minute they started they started canceling sporting events, yes. I was yes. like, "Hold on!" That brought it home oh, to on. everybody, to so many people. Well, what I was about Vegas closing down the strip? Yeah, the yeah, casinos. I, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's, I, I was that's I, the, I was at a I was at a spring training game six days ago in. Uh, yeah. You know, the Braves were playing. We were talking to Josh Donaldson, and they, he weren't even observing the six-feet thing. We were talking to him like normal before the game. Uh, Braves played the Twins. Braves were still playing the next day uh, at Lakeland when when all the stuff started getting canceled. Didn't they get on the bus? What do you mean? Is that what I heard? They, they got on the bus to go to Lakeland, and the bus turned around and said, hold on, we're not going to play. No, they played in Lakeland. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Oh, wow. okay. It was like one of the last games played. Yeah. Um, right. So, yeah. So you guys, what do guys just, do now? What just what do guys like? In all seriousness, what like <laughs> that's what I was going to ask you guys. They're saying to like because I'm in touch with a lot of the Aussie minor league guys because you know if they go home they're stuck in quarantine for two weeks. So um, a, a lot of the Aussie guys are sort of trying to scramble to find places to stay. Uh, so yeah. a lot of them are staying with friends and, and teammates and that sort of thing. But, you know, the teams have basically said, we need you to stay in shape, but you can't go to a gym and you can't I, go exactly. play catch with anyone. Like, it's so – it's or stay in shape so you're ready to go once the season rolls around, but and, don't go anywhere and you can't do anything. You can't get hacksy and you can't do anything. And minor leaguers aren't even getting like a per diem like major, major leaguers are. You know, if you're not on a 40-man yeah. roster or you didn't end the, uh, you know, end the season with a big league team, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. 
a guy like say Charlie Culberson, I was I was glad to see you know that he'll guys like that are going to get it even though they're not on the forty. They finished the season with a team and they added that to the people being uh, paid right. their per diem. But that's yeah, great. Yeah, but the, I mean, the young guys, the young guys are the ones that don't have money though. They're the ones that are struggling. Yeah, and have worked all off season planning to get to this point, and now mm-hmm. it's like, well, hold on, uh, the the ten thousand dollars you were going to make over the next six months is no longer there, so. Um, I can't even imagine. Yeah. I mean, you just got to find like a brick wall and throw against it too. Because if you, you're not going to be That's able true. to have a catch partner, a catcher, any facility to use. You like Molo said, you can't go to a gym. I mean, it's it's hard hmm. to keep yourself ready. I think spring training, whenever they come up with a, a return time for the season, spring training is going to have to be another two or three weeks at yeah. least. They're going to have to have some type of mini spring training, even if they have that at the major league ballpark which I would think they might yeah. do rather than everybody travel reassemble down in Florida and all that. You know, the Yankees, they were all proud of the fact that they, their players had voted to stay together at the camp and, you know, keep working out. And then, and then they're <laughs> the first team. It. Yeah. They're the first team that has, a, it was a minor leaguer at their other camp across the highway, across the street. But nevertheless, you know, that, uh, that kind of breaks that up because people start to think, yeah, do I really, yeah. You know, I really want to be here. I, I can go home and be with my kids. That would have been, that would have been my set, my mindset a week and a half ago too. It would be, nah, we'll just yeah. we'll hang out together, you know. We're, we'll be all fine. We're, we're, what, what about the guys that were in Big Brother that have no idea what's going on? There's a, like a European Big Brother going on right now and they have no idea what's happening because they've been in quarantine since February 9th or <laughs> oh, January 9th. I hadn't even thought no about way. that. That's yeah. wild. So they don't, yeah. they don't have read, any I read access a story to anything. About it yesterday, huh? that, yeah, <laughs> they're, still, they're still doing the show. Oh I guess my that God. might be the – that might be the safest place to be because yeah. they've been in the same place since January. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. But what about their families? Like, how do you not tell their families that, or oh. tell them what's going on for the sake of their families? How weird would that be? Because you would have to go from zero to sixty. You would be like, they, the first person would be telling you what's going on in the world, and you're like, no way. Give me. A, you exactly. wouldn't believe this. It's like a movie. Nah, exactly. <laughs> it might be over wow, by the time they weird. they finish up. Probably not. Uh, might well, be. They have to. They have to send someone home every every week. Isn't that how Big Brother used to work? You get you get kicked out of the house. I got no idea. Yeah, I've never watched it. Come on, guys! More incentive to win this thing. You might not. You might miss the coronavirus <laughs> and and make five hundred grand. <laughs> oh, the Black Tux believes every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear, a suit or tuxedo for their big day. Did you know the Black Tux was actually started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you could imagine? It turns out they aren't alone in this frustration. Just listen to these one-star reviews from competitor tux shops that shall not be named. Go elsewhere. This place is pretty terrible unless you're dressing like your grandpa on Halloween. We felt pretty weird buying a suit from a guy having the worst day of his life. We were afraid his bad vibes might follow us all the way to our wedding day, so we got out of there. And, and who wouldn't? What I love about the Black Tux is that they have an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Just pick a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. And if online isn't your style, the Black Tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. From there, they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it one last time. Talk about commitment. 
Whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent, you won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. Wow. If you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, order your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off with the code BRAVES. That's theblacktux.com, code BRAVES for 10% off your purchase. The Black Tux. Formal wear for the moment. Shifting gears, you were a brave from 2006 to 2012 in your first stint with the team, which made you a teammate of Eric's for four years, if my math is correct. Yeah, we were. Because Eric was a brave from 09 through 13 in his first stint with the team. Yep. Then he came back in 2016-17. Pete, you came back to pitch for the Braves in 2015 after rehabbing. After being a player coach. One of your many – one of, yeah, and rehab him from one of your many surgeries. Yeah. yeah. And then and then you came back again in 2018, your final season in the majors. Damn so straight. that's five five different stints with Atlanta for the two of you. And that's not typical. No, it's uh well, for me it was more about convenience and all the rest of it. I love the right. team. Obviously, everything that I've experienced with Atlanta from 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 being a pharmaceutical rep that got right. picked up in the WBC to being in the big leagues and all those initial early times of the Braves were just it's just a whirlwind and such such good memories. But you know, the Atlanta organization itself has always been somewhere that I wanted to come back and play for. The, it's a much different feeling coming back to a place where you're familiar mm-hmm. and you understand the ins and outs and how everything works and you know the the people that are in charge and it, you know it's just it's just way more comfortable if you can come back into an environment like that and that's why I kept coming back and I do love the people here and as much as there's been sort of a changing of the guard in the last couple of years uh, with what's going on in Atlanta but um, I still think the values and the core values are still the same and I still love the organization and hope to be a part of it for a long time and if I'm honest. Freddie and Snit are still here. <laughs> uh, Freddie Freeman and Snit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Freddie Freeman. Yeah. Not not Freddie yeah. G. Freddie got Freddie Gonzalez long gone, like two three different teams since then. Freddie yeah. Freddie was joking, saw him at spring training with the O's, and he said he's in perpetual rebuilding mode because he went from here to rebuild <laughs> to the Marlins to the Orioles. <laughs> he's the rebuilding coach, oh, man. man. Poor guy. Yeah, it's well. a lot of losing for a guy that had a winning major league record before he got fired by the Marlins and came here. I'm going to bite my tongue on that one. You guys, you guys can go ahead and talk about that one. <laughs> uh, speak, uh, what you just alluded to, I wanted to ask you guys, yeah. the most fun that you guys ever had with the Braves are the best memories from your years with the team? 2010. Mm. Yeah, I think so too. What about it? The oh. group. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a perfect mix of guys. It's um, a hodgepodge. Yeah. We had – we had everything. We had absolutely everything on that team. We had Derek Lowe. Yeah. We had <laughs> Line Brink. We had Hinsky. We had George Sherrill. We had, I mean, just Medlin, Hansen, God, Rossi, B Mac. Oh, like these guys were just, it was yeah. just, look at the personalities that are there now. Like, yeah. You can imagine, I mean, you just, what oh, on those now, bus yeah. trips, just the bus trips that we'd take. Like it, you'd, you'd want for an hour-long bus trip from the airport to the hotel <laughs> yeah, just because <laughs> of the clowning that would happen on that bus trip. It's just it's just so much fun. We, and we enjoyed being around each other. That was the thing. That, and I think we've talked about this before, but just the, the general feeling of going to the clubhouse and knowing that you're going to be liking the person you're going to sit next to for the next six hours. Yeah. 
It's, yeah, you um, couldn't wait to get to the field. Exactly. What year was it? That was the year Saito took us all to go uh, yes. do some karaoke in Chicago, right? I still have a photo of that. You know that, right? I still have a photo <laughs> no. of us. Because we went to Korean barbecue first. Saito can sing the Beatles. Can wow. he ever? Hey, Jude. Oh, that guy was funny, man. I liked him. He was the best. Yeah, you didn't even yeah. mention but him. He was on that like all 25 good bullpen that year too everybody on yeah. that, in that that's probably the best bullpen i think i've ever been a part of when you just look at the depth yeah mm. i mean we had moilo craig johnny venners billy wagner was closing saito was nasty in the eighth um our, our long man was like proctor or somebody throwing 96 yeah. Yeah. the whole thing i mean from top to bottom just the depth of that bullpen is probably the best the deepest i've ever been and then we picked up Kyle Farnsworth and Rick and Keel at the deadline, right? Yeah. yeah. They fit right in. <laughs> they fit right in. Farnsy added a certain something, didn't he? Yeah. Every time I yeah, think like about Farnsy. Straight fear. Uh, <laughs> I remember this time uh, we, were, we were waiting to clinch in 2010 and everybody was getting um, champagne out and uh, – Rossi threw uh, Farnsworth a protein shake to spray on everybody. <laughs> and it was one of those moments where everybody started laughing and, and Farnsy wasn't in the mood and he just gave Rossi a death stare and, they, and Rossi was just left the room. He was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to step yeah. out for a minute. <laughs> I'm going to give him time to breathe this one out. <laughs> this first time I saw fear in Rossi's eyes. <laughs> Uh, you had to know how to play Farnsy. He was he was awesome. I, you, I liked him. I, I told you about when he snapped that roller over his quad, right? Yeah, yeah. You ever seen those and, things, Dave? They're yeah. like a self massage tool. You use them yeah. on your quads and your your uh, yeah. your calves, and you can use them on your arm and stuff. It's just it's a it's a long tube with with um, these plastic beads around the outside of it. So you just roll it. You know, you roll it up and down your leg or whatever. If you got a knot. Fart just right. snapped one of those over his neck, not even on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard plastic. I mean, you, you can go all in on your quad and lean into it and nothing happens. This guy was just trying to get a knot out of his neck and the whole thing blew up and shot plastic everywhere. He's just that strong. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. there's, like a, there's like a mythology to certain players. They become like more more extreme or, or scarier than they actually were. But with him, there's no I, mythology. I, he picked it yeah. up. <laughs> it was real, wasn't it? <laughs> he came 100% as promised. <laughs> the body slam that he had in Cincinnati is all timer, man. Yep. I, mean, I love that he embraced it too. body slammed him. Yeah. He, and he just wanted that to happen every time he pissed. <laughs> <laughs> He's always ready. Oh, so he went and played football after he was done. He was playing football in Mexico. Yeah. He did. yeah. yeah. He played, I think, maybe not uh, in Mexico. He's playing baseball in Mexico. He's playing in some semi-pro football league too. Yeah, in Orlando. In Orlando. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He played like an indoor football league in Orlando, didn't he? It's probably killing yes. people. He and Kevin Brown imagine. were the most were the most intense guys I'd ever been around covering uh, him and Kevin Brown. And, and Kevin Brown was just an asshole, man. But he was intense. Jesus. Right. Uh, how about the funniest teammate you guys had? Present company excluded. Rossi. Rossi's up. I think it's got to be Ski for me. Kinski, yeah. Prado. Prado's the funniest. People don't understand man, how funny tough. Prado was, man. They think they see him from outside and just think he's like the ultimate professional, which he is, but he was a funny dude, wasn't he? Yeah, oh, he's, yeah, he made me roll. He, 
I've, oh, I think you've I think you've said it a couple of times where he was he had that ability to just jump between. You yeah, know, he could go make a joke with the Latin guys, and he can come over to the to the white guys and make a joke with them, and they can just go wherever he wants and just make a joke with everyone. Go to the coaches' room, make a joke with them, and everybody's laughing, rolling. He just had the ability to chameleon his his way around the clubhouse. Yeah, he he just fully grasped. Um you know, our humor and everything. And it, and it was, he was quick witted with it too, or he'd come into the, after the weight room or something like that. And he'd be all sweaty. And someone say, you know, like, Prot, why are you so sweaty? And he'd be like, I was watching cops. You know, it's, it's, it's a line from, uh, it's a line from Step Brothers, you know, and it, and it wasn't like he had to think about this. These jokes were just in his head. He fully grasped like the American culture and everything like that. And we talk about it all the time, how important having that bridge between like the Latin players and the American guys and everybody else on the team, um, how important that is for clubhouse. But he was, he was huge like that. The thing I liked about Ski is he could tell somebody even like Chipper, you know, that when they were being an asshole or doing Clean something. Yeah, yeah. And he'd just look him. He'd just look him dead in the eye, and he'd say something mean to him, and then it'd just be this awkward moment, and then the person would have no choice but to laugh, you know. Yeah. He was really good at that. He'd get on the mic and just crush everybody on the team, uh, regardless if you're a rookie or uh, you know if you if you had ten years, twenty years in the big leagues. And he remembered every single play that happened during the game. So there might be something stupid, you know, the the backup shortstop did in the third inning. And you kind of, by the time you get on the bus, we've all forgotten about it. But then by the time you get on the bus, everybody's kind of sauced up. Yeah. And uh, he'd just bring it up at the perfect moment and just crush the guy in the right way. <laughs> and the whole bus would just erupt in laughter because everybody else <laughs> forgot, you know, about this boneheaded play the guy made. But. It was just guys like that, man. When you have them on your team, it's just uh, the season just flies by. Kept everybody humble. Like, you know yeah, what's funny about that? Like team chemistry and all that sort of stuff. The At the Sabre conference, they had Johnny Gomes come up there and talk about team chemistry. I guess they're, they're trying to work out if there's a way that they can measure it now or some shit. I don't, I don't know. Has, did, you see, did you guys see that at all? No, no. Oh, okay. That's a good, good subject. They, we'll, we'll just cut that out. We'll cut the part out. How the hell are they going to measure team chemistry? I don't know, but it was, you know, it, uh, this, the analytics guys say that it's, <laughs> they would. it's not a thing. It's absolutely not a thing that you that you oh. don't feel. But Johnny Gomes, I think one line that he said that, you know, well, from what I remember, every winning team that I was on was different, but every losing team was exactly the same. Ah, yeah. that's good. So Everybody's that's good. miserable. Yeah. That's where uh, they lose so, some credibility, the analytics guys. You know, obviously they know their shit and, and analytics are very important, but they have they have a blind spot when they don't those who don't recognize team chemistry as, as being hugely important. For me it's the easiest thing ever. I mean if if you have a shitty boss or you hate your job, uh, you know, most people are gonna be less productive. If they hate their coworkers, yeah. if they're in this bad environment, I mean, you can literally b- watch throughout life as you bring people up and make their day go go by faster, and, and they they're more productive because they're happy. It's not that hard to it's not that hard to picture, but for some reason, it's just we're all just supposed to be. Those were the numbers you were going to put up regardless whether you were happy or not. I mean, yeah. look at look at how my career changed when I came to Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah, you know that just that environment changed my whole outlook and my whole approach to pitching and and being with good teammates and catching with with uh, catchers like Rossi and and Bmac. I mean, it changed everything for yeah. me. It's I don't. It's weird that it's that it's not really um, taken seriously in that in that realm. But I was thinking, you know, there's all these um, there's all these teams going around on Twitter right now, like dream teams or favorite player teams and all that. I was like, I want to I want to see everybody's fly on a wall team. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you got <laughs> yeah. H.A. Przinsky catching, 
Brett Boone at second base, Jason Jambi at first base, Ozzie Guillen at shortstop, Juan Uribe at third base. You put Jose Canseco in left field, Mickey Mantle in center, put Barry Bonds in right field, have Jose Guillen in right field, Doc Ellis pitching. And You've Jose Valverde team, closing. I oh, mean, I'd just like goodness. to be a fly on the wall in that clubhouse. <laughs> That's got to be some time thinking about that. Puig's got to be DHing or something. Oh, yeah. Golly. Yeah, he could be DHing. I mean, just to just to watch. And if you don't believe in team chemistry, that'd be like a great experiment right there. Yeah. Just and a bunch of Jeff random Hen- big personalities. Who's managing? Who's managing it? Bobby Valentine, maybe? Look. Yeah. Lou, Lou Pinella. <laughs> Lou, Lou Pinella. Get Lou there. <laughs> Fighting with his relievers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. these aren't necessarily bad guys. They're yeah, just yeah, big yeah. personalities. You know, right. I'd love yeah. to see a clubhouse. I'd love to just be like a, a low level player, like a backup catcher, a relief pitcher, and just watch that clubhouse unfold over 162. <laughs> two, two, you left, two you left out that I'd have in there Bobby Bonilla and Kevin Brown. Yep, there you go. I mean, there's there's roster spots open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bobby we haven't Bonilla. made final decisions on the 25 yet, Dave. Yeah, it's not done. Still- <laughs> <laughs> it's not done yet. One time, uh, Bobby Bo pulled out a cigar uh, during, like after batting practice for the uh, they opened the clubhouse again. He pulls out a cigar, starts smoking a cigar in the clubhouse, and Kevin Brown was pitching that day. And Kevin Brown said, Put that, put that shit out, man. And Bobby goes, "Why don't you come over here? And make me put it out." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I want to be in that clubhouse <laughs> just for a year. I don't care if we win or not. I just want to, I just want to see it play out. I miss Mark Grace used to have a cigar, one of those old fashioned cigarette stands that had a pole going up, like you see in a barbershop or whatever, and the little places for like five different cigarettes on the circular thing. He used to have that sitting by his locker. He'd sit there chain smoking while he's doing interviews after a game. I heard a Mark Gray story, but I can't say it on the podcast. <laughs> I think I know the one you're going to say. <laughs> I... <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Eric, you were about to say something. Oh, just it always blew my mind, the guys that would smoke heaters during the game. Oh, Cespedes yeah. used yeah. to do that. When, we, when I was in Oakland with him, he'd be smoking up in the tunnel and then go hit a homer. And Who did? Joanna Cespedes. Yeah, yeah. And his breakfast, his breakfast, he would put like the whole – you know those glass sugar uh, containers yeah. for you know for mm-hmm. breakfast. He'd take the lid off and oh just my dump sugar on the middle of that thing. He'd eat so much sugar before the game, he'd throw up. Oh my god! And then Seriously? he'd go hit a yeah. Then he'd go hit a homer, and he was probably about four percent body fat. How you know what's the- crazy is that I, I used to watch uh, Yasiel Puig. He would crush ice creams after after <laughs> yeah. like every game, like. <laughs> It must just be. Is there no sugar in Cuba, or is there not a lot of sugar in Cuba? I'm, I know there's big not a lot sugar. of everything in Cuba. Yeah, but, man. Yeah. The, the Cubans own big sugar down in Florida. It's the yeah, Cuban just, who owns the biggest one. They're not afraid of it. Who are, they grow that shit down. Toilet there. paper. <laughs> he's, I don't know, but he's <laughs> they're making, making some money right now. Right now. Charmin's Ash. making a lot of money. Ash. Uh, what was that? Who was that? What was that? Just getting ready to say. You said something about. Uh, I blew it for uh, you. Sorry, man. Yeah, you did. Who was the uh, – oh, oh, who was that ran can- – they still had kangaroo courts when you guys were there, right? Who ran it with the Braves when you were there? We didn't really do it that much. You know, I mean, every day it, was uh, – that, that's why the teams were fun, though, because every day yeah, it was yeah. kangaroo court, and your right, fine right. was just getting embarrassed. You it's know, just it, impromptu, it, huh? Yeah, I mean, if you, were, if you were driving to the field and you were running a little late, you were going to get blown up as soon as you got to the park. 
by yeah. seven guys. So you, you knew and <laughs> and we all, you know, we all gave each other so much crap. And and the cool thing about those teams was everybody would jump in and blow it up, even if they weren't in the mood. You know, if if B Mac burned me or 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 Moilo burned me or something like that, and everybody yeah. that heard it would just horse laugh, just a horse laugh, you know, and just up the <laughs> ante and and just keep that vibe going all the time. But you pretty much did everything right because you knew all your teammates were just going to rip on you if you did anything wrong anyway. Mm. So you you just paid the price on a daily basis. We didn't really need <laughs> kangaroo court. <laughs> everything was out in the open. Oh, I know what I was going to Going back, you were talking about uh, cesspit of smoking during a game. This goes back a long ways, but it wasn't uncommon back in the day. But there's a famous picture of Lynn Dawson smoking on the sideline during the Super Bowl. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah, all taped up. And yeah, I remember that. I said, yeah, I yeah. That. Yeah, in its uniform during a game. Anyway. Well, in in uh, uh, in Japan and and Taiwan, they have a fifth inning stretch, so dudes can just squat <laughs> and smoke heaters. Yeah, That's I've heard great. about that. And we had a when I was in Taiwan, we had a two hour bus trip one day, and we had to stop twice so guys could smoke cigarettes. <laughs> and like, they not, is, do they not dip? Uh, I don't think it's as available as it is over here. Yeah, uh, America is really the only culture that if there's if there's been a guy from Japan or Taiwan or Korea come to the states and maybe play over here and picked it up and taken it back, but not homegrown guys that that are over there. Yeah, you they're know, just not as into it. Now that no, now they'd that just you, rather. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, you no. Know, now that you mention it, I I don't think I've ever seen a picture of a Japanese player with a dip in. <laughs> no. No. Mess up that it's turf too. Have it, and it mess up the, the turf too at the uh, Tokyo Dome. Yeah, that's yeah. You're not allowed to spit anywhere. Then no. you got to put seeds in a. You got to spit seeds into a plastic bottle yeah. or a cup, and yeah, that's the, And even when you like, we were over there for the uh, Premier Twelve. All the stadiums are set up. All the dugouts are set up with like individual seating, so everyone's just really neatly placed in a dugout. Wow. Two rows of individual <laughs> seatings. It's yeah. like uh, like chairs. <laughs> Yes. Like a yeah. wedding? <laughs> like a proper, like a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Place cards so you know exactly when to sit and how to clap and it's crazy. Wow. Do you ever think about playing over there, Morlo, when uh, when your days were winding down? You know, what's funny is I tried to get over there the last two or three years of my career just to, you know, see if I, because I've always had interest in playing over there. Yeah, me too. Um, it's only it's only eight hours away from home too. So, um, but yeah, they they looked at me after 2015 and were like, uh, <laughs> "Your arm's going to fly off." <laughs> you're 38 and you've had 11 injuries. We're going to go ahead and say, "No, we're good." Yeah, they, they're yeah. not big on clubhouse chemistry over there. No, no, they didn't. Uh, especially when you can't speak the language. I mean, I can do dances. It's hard to hard to make an impact. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, and you guys mentioned that you've, you just named a bunch of them. So this question's kind of redundant now, but who was the best teammate or, or some of the best, if you don't want to cite one and piss off others, but I think you just named all the guys on that 2010 team. Were there others yeah, that, you been... made, that you've played? Go with? ahead. Uh, for me, it's, it's, it's a tie between Mac and Rossi. Um, Moilo's up there, obviously no, no, no pain Moilo, but um <laughs> <laughs> Just their how invested they were in their teammates' success. When when you come in pitching and and you know I'd hang out in the room with them after games and they'd be upset about some pitch they called in the third inning and we won you know seven to one and yeah. they're or or the long guy comes in and gives up a a run he shouldn't have given up. These guys were beating themselves up about it at midnight that night. Um, just that commitment was something that I'd never seen in in my career um, to your teammates' success and it it changed me a lot. But 
Um, we had so many good ones on those teams with the Braves, man. It's um, it's it's not easy to put them up there, but they are. And the pride that you know, I I never realized that the catchers hold as much pride into putting up zeros as we do. Like, oh, more sometimes. Yeah, so that's what I never really thought about. I, I always thought as a as a position player, you know, you you obviously want to try and focus on your defense, but it's basically there to to try and mash. But um, yeah, I mean, th- these guys showed us that it's there's a, a way to go about it and be professional. That and Marine Rossi's the manager of the Cubs right now, so that's you could always see that he was gonna he was gonna do something great in the game just by the way he committed himself every day. He got pissed off at me one time. Um, I just I came in and I just sucked, and he could tell I just wasn't into it mentally. But it's one of those games where you just hadn't pitched in three or four days, so they were gonna try to get you in. But we were probably up. It was it was the game was wide open, you know, like eight one or something right. like that, and I gave up a yeah. bloop single and a walk and a double play and then a another bloop single gave up a run or something. I was just ready to shrug it off. And Rossi mm-hmm. was like, man, you were freaking terrible today. What were you doing out there? You know, he was, dis- he was pissed at me. And I was like, man, it's not that it's eight, one game. He goes, no asshole. You better like, you got to lock in and, and, and bring it every single time out there. I just caught however many innings and you come in acting like that. And I just, I hadn't even thought of it like that, that, right. you know, the, the, how invested he was in my success. And, and he was pissed at me. <laughs> Mm. Uh, this was probably, I think, oh nine or ten early on in my relationship with him, and then every time I pitched to him after that, I mean, it just that pressure from him locked me in by itself. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Top performers in business and sports often attribute their success to their morning routine, whether it's waking up early, setting their goals for the day, exercise, or meditation. But not everyone has the time to do it all. With Hydrant, you can jumpstart your mornings. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code 755 at checkout. Again, that's go to drinkhydrant.com. And enter promo code seven fifty five at checkout for twenty five percent off your first order. Who was the best pitcher that you guys ever spent time around? What was he also the most talented one? But who was the best pitcher you ever spent time around? Good question. Holy cow! Uh, by best pitcher, you mean like most talented or Both. Like most helpful or Both. if that was two different people, most or? advanced. Um, Johnny who, Venice had the best pitch I've ever seen. Yeah, he yeah. had the best pitch. And um, Billy Wagner had the best stuff. Billy Wagner was and <laughs> Billy Wagner was something else, man. He was born to throw a baseball at ninety nine miles an hour. Yeah, he was, <laughs> he was doing it at thirty. He he could probably still throw ninety six a day if he wanted to. Yep. Remember when he walked um, into spring training wearing a cowboy hat and boots? I thought he was joking around, but he was totally serious. <laughs> <laughs> He's Billy's always serious. Yeah. Yeah. He took me shopping when we went to Houston. We, he bought me a cowboy hat and cowboy boots. And so I ended up walking around the clubhouse with just a jock strap on and, and uh, <laughs> tried to straighten you out. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that was good luck back then. Um, 
But yeah, I just I, I'm not a big cowboy boots kind of guy. But uh, he loved it. He loved the hat, the boot combo. Yeah. I oh, agree. you could rock that in Seattle, I reckon. Uh, maybe other side of the state where I'm from. I'm from a farm town. I fit right in. Are you? But out here, Walla no, Walla? yeah, yeah, it's a small farm town. It's like five hours away from Seattle. It's almost a different state. Okay, how about the most talented player? Oh, most man. talented player. Period. I man, okay. I'd probably say Cespedes in 2015. I'd never seen anything uh-huh. like what he was doing. I mean, he's the most talented baseball for sure. He's the most talented baseball player I've been around. Most talented. As far as uh, just pure talent. What about best? I mean, Acuna would be the obvious answer for me, uh-huh. but just because he's so he's so at the front of my brain. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, going back, I mean, seeing Chipper hitting in 08, Yeah. As far as a baseball player and a pure hitter goes, mm-hmm. that was that was pretty impressive to to watch him do what he did right. um, in 08. Uh, that was he just felt like he never he never didn't get a hit. You right. know, it was yeah. like every time he was up there, it was like, oh, this is we we win. <laughs> yeah, he's the best player I've been around as far as you know, baseball knowledge and ability and all of it combined. Right. This, even even seeing him on the backside was still incredible. Uh, yeah, the C- Cespedes could throw a ball from the foul pole on a line to home plate. He could hit a ball five hundred feet. He could fly if he wanted to. I mean, just pure he's a scratch golfer. He's yeah. He's the craziest thing I ever saw him do, and he wouldn't work out. But he came in the weight room one time. He's one of those guys they're always trying to get into the weight room, and then they'd get him in there and be like, "We have nothing to offer you." Uh, right. Brandon Moss, Brandon Moss, uh, player that Moss, you know, yep. played for a long time. <laughs> I uh, played with him in first baseman, outfield. He's a wreck. He's awesome though. <laughs> um, this guy, he could bench like three fifty, four hundred pounds. Because his dad was some kind of um, bodybuilders or power yeah, lifter he, growing he up, so he, he taught him all the techniques. So the the weight room in Oakland when we were playing together one day, um, we're in there and they got probably I don't know three fifteen three fifty on the bench press, and uh-huh. Cespedes hasn't touched a weight all year. Cespedes walks in and they're trying to get him to do stuff. He points at the bench. And he goes, "I want to try that." And the strength coach is like, whoa, 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 you haven't, you know, that's that's pretty yeah. advanced, buddy. He goes, no, I got it. He gets under the bench press and just reps out 10. <laughs> and we're all just in utter shock. Like, what Jeez. the hell just happened? So he just, yeah, he just did everything in the weight room, the, the um, max amount of weight, uh, like it was a five-pound dumbbell. And we just – uh, It took wild boars. Wild boars is the only thing that could bring seriously. us down. <laughs> I mean, I'm not- most impressive human I've ever been around. I'm not saying this just because he's on the other end of the of the line here, but oh, you were pretty fucking <laughs> religious when it came to your routine for a long time with the Braves. There, man, you like I've never seen a guy that would put his mind to something and do it. I didn't. Didn't you eat a fifty pound, no, 50, <laughs> 56 ounce? What, what was that steak? steak that the chipper you was fast. Fifty six ounce steak. Yes. <laughs> So we, we, we Where was that? Him that he couldn't eat. We went to uh, Shula's or one of those steakhouses. Yeah. Uh, Shula's. Yeah. In Orlando. Yeah. Um, yeah. And BMAC uh, would always test me. It was me. a 50, 56 inch. BMAC would always <laughs> test would. me. Me and him. I mean, everything was a pissing contest. So he saw the steak on there and he goes, you can't eat that. And he, he just, he knew I would try it <laughs> if he said that. So, um, so I ordered it and just, <laughs> I put, I think my name's on the wall at Shula's. I put it down. Um, you I did. had to, and you had. I, I was either eating had, that steak you had or dying. Potatoes and broccoli. Yeah, and <laughs> I was. I ate the whole plate. I was either eating that steak or dying yeah. though, because I couldn't let B Mac get the upper hand. 
<laughs> strength. You hear that, O'Brien? Chipper was pissed. Yeah, Chipper was, Chipper was mad. Pissed, I ordered huh? it. I think it was like an extra fifteen bucks. He was he was fronting the bill. I didn't. I think I just. Yeah. I should have asked him. I should have said, "Is it cool?" But he, I don't think he was really pissed. He's just joking around. <laughs> Come on. I mean, Chipper's also thrown his credit card down at Del Frisco's in Philadelphia when yeah. there's twenty nine of us sitting there. So I don't know that. Uh, yeah, he's all right. An extra twenty he bucks. Back. Back. He got through He'll it. He'll be okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably. I mean, going back to that 2010 team, though, that's that's probably what really set it off. Though, was things like that where Chipper would take the whole team to Del Frisco's, um, and and you know, a lot of teams you try to have these team dinners, and five or six guys don't show up. Um, we could go to any city, and we'd have twenty five at at the dinner table, uh, plus whoever's yeah. on the DL or whatever. Yeah. That was that's hard to pull off in today's game, but it was it was a lot of fun getting the whole team out to dinner like that. Couple of guys, couple of guys leaving uh, early from those from those dinners too. But uh, it was a different time back there, O'Brien. I mean, we we would we would go out together. Whereas now it's kind of yeah. they they've changed they've changed the way that they think, and it's it's more. I need to get my rest. I need to get my you know. I need to get my food. I need to get yeah. everything done. So um, it's it's just a different time. It's just a different time the to be. Standards an athlete, are higher it? too. <laughs> you yeah. can't. I mean, you it, can't skate by hungover yeah. anymore. I don't think I, everybody's throwing ninety nine. No. Yeah. It's unfortunate to me. I mean, there's just so many more personalities. And, and I thought Snit made a great observation the other day because he was talking about JD. He spent a year with him. He said, you get to know a, a, a guy like that, the personality like that, a player like that. And the relationships you have with guys are the best thing Absolutely. about baseball. Snit said, the best thing I've had about baseball are the relationships. And he goes, and too many of the guys today are missing out on that completely because of this. And he st- and he acted like he was staring at a phone. And I'm like, that's so true. You walk into a clubhouse sometimes, and there'll be 15 guys in there, 15 yeah. guys staring at phones sometimes yeah. instead yeah, it's, of talking. It's, uh, it was, actually, there's a rule against playing. phones in the clubhouse when I first – yeah, no phones in the clubhouse. You had you to either go outside phone, right? or um, – I mean, you had to, as soon as you got in the clubhouse, you had to put it in your locker. I don't think you know. I don't think we understood how valuable that was at the time. It was just what we knew. But watching the watching yep. the clubhouse change yep. and and now the the other things, the clubhouses are so big. I mean, there's a there's so many little escapes. You can yeah. just go be by yourself and isolate and everything True. like that. There's nap rooms. There's mm. two different cafeterias. There's there's all these little cubby holes in different places. Um, it, it, you don't see guys. No cards, cards used to be either. cards nope, used to be awesome. All. To I was terrible at them, but I used to just like being at the table. Yeah. yeah, bigger lockers. It's just everything you said uh, to, to to allow guys just to be on their own for the two hours, you know, before a game or whatever. And before you used to walk into a cramped clubhouse yeah. and it was loud in there. Yeah. It was like a bar, and now you walk in and it's like a library. Yeah, it's it like is. a library when it's you really walk weird. in now. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, the buses when you still get everybody crammed into you know one small space and everybody's got to interact. The bus and yeah. the plane are those were probably my favorite parts of of playing was the, just traveling with these guys. Because uh, you know now everybody's got their family they got to go home to and and guys they got their workouts after the game it it really has changed a lot. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. We're gonna have Moylan back for another conversation. Call it a two parter if you want on Friday. So tune back in wherever you hear this podcast. Go back there on Friday, and we'll have part two of our very good conversation with Peter Moylan. Thanks for listening. Seven fifty five is real. We're out. Mm-hmm.